You know as well as I do that every time that we come together, every Sunday, the cross of Jesus is always in front of us. We're always looking at and we're always thinking about and we're always drawing some conclusions based on the reality of the cross of Christ. We see and we appreciate and we talk about the fact that Jesus went to the cross and he died for us so that we might have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. And that's really at the very heart of our communion, once again, that we do every week. As we take that piece of bread and and we partake of it, we're reminded and we're remembering that this represents Christ's body that, that hung and died and suffered on the cross. And then as we take that little bit of juice and we drink it, it reminds us again of the blood that Jesus shed that became the atonement for our sinful lives and brought us into a pure and eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Communion is so important to us every week. And as Adam reminded us in, in, in his words, it, it's something that brings us back to the glory of the cross. But every week when we get together, the cross is there in our communion, that's for sure. But the cross, in, either directly or indirectly, is, is always at the heart of the songs that we sing. The songs that we've sung this morning had, again, whether directly or indirectly, a reference and a reminder to us that, that our life, that our righteousness has, has come to us, as Adam talked about again, not through our good deeds, but through the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I think of this song that uh, we've sung before, Nailed to the Cross, where it says, With what anguish and loss Jesus went to the cross, and he carried our sins with him there. It's in our communion. It's in our songs. And to be quite honest, we, we, have, we have very little, if anything, to teach and to say about the, the key and fundamental aspects of the Christian life that, doesn't, that they don't bring in this idea of the cross. You see, as we preach and we teach, we can't talk about the love of God without talking about the cross. And, and Paul reminds us of that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 when he said, God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. There's the cross for us. When we talk about the love of God, we have to talk about the cross. And when we, we talk about sanctification, that being made holy and pure by Jesus Christ, we, we have to talk about the cross. And the Hebrew writer in, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 reminds us again that our sanctification is through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The cross is there 
not just about love and when we talk about sanctification, but it's there when we talk about humility. And, and, and we, we'll do sermons and we'll do classes and talking about how we should be humble like Jesus is, uh, was humble. But we can't really elucidate that. We can't get in the grip of that humility unless we talk about his cross. For it's in his cross that, that we realize and see the great humility that, that he who existed in the form of God but did not consider equality with, uh, with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And ultimately, Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, that he was emptied himself so that he could be found in the appearance of a man, to be humbled, to humble himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. And then as we teach and we talk about patience, and, and we know that we should be patient, and, and when we say, well, what does patient look like? We always go back to Jesus, and Jesus becomes that example of patience, but where it really is seen once again is in his cross. And Peter reminds us of that type of patience and reminds us of how that patience is connected to the cross of Jesus. As he says, for what credit is there if you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Now listen. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You see, everything central to our identity as Christians is found and centered in the cross. And I want you to see this, that it's not just the cross, but it is centered in the sacrifice. And the suffering that came with that cross. Having said all of that, there's really a very, or seems like, an odd passage of Scripture. A passage of Scripture that seems odd in that it introduces something into that picture of sacrifice and suffering on the cross that doesn't seem really to fit there and I want you to see this morning. You see, as the Hebrew writer speaks, and he's telling those Christians that he's writing to, and, and talking to them about not giving up on their faith, and, and, and holding on to their faith, he's encouraging them, and he's saying, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as you look at that, and as we think about, well, well, the cross is all about suffering, and the cross is all about sacrifice, and yet we get there and we see this passage of Scripture, and the question comes, well, where did joy come from? I mean, this is supposed to be this dark and this dreadful context about the cross. And yet, the Hebrew writer throws in this word joy. Where did joy come from? Well, here's the answer. 
Joy is here in this portrait of the cross because Jesus had what I call a two-dimensional, a two-dimensional view of the nature of the cross. When you think about Jesus and you think about what he said and how he reacted to the cross, what, what we're understanding is that even though Jesus knew, follow me, even though he knew there was going to be great sacrifice and suffering on the front of the cross, as he's nailed to that cross, he knows that sacrifice and suffering is coming. That's communicated so clearly in his prayer in the garden. But even though he knew that sacrifice and suffering, great sacrifice and suffering were coming, he could also see that there was going to be greater joy on the other side, the back side of the cross. That the cross wasn't simply about pain and suffering, sacrifice and suffering, and the great sacrifices he was going to have to make, but the other side of the cross was really about greater joy that was going to come to him and come to the world because of his willingness to go to that cross. There are so many things I believe Jesus could see, and, 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 and there are a few of those things I, I just want to put out there for us. These are deep. These are rich. I, I'm just going to have a second here. But I think and I believe that as, as Jesus went to the cross, he could see the greater joy on the backside of the cross. He could see the joy that's going to come through his exaltation. That he was not just going to be humbled as a man, but he, even the Philippian, uh, uh, Paul writing to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 9, says that after that humiliation comes his exaltation. That after the cross would come this, this time and this point when God would highly, uh, highly exalt him and bestow upon him the name which is above every name. So that the name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those in heaven and those on earth and under earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The day was coming on the backside of the cross when he would experience the joy, having made the sacrifice, the greater joy of seeing the Father in his pleasure exalting him back to the position of king on high. He had to be anticipating that. Having experienced what we experience here in the flesh, he had to be looking forward to that joy, don't you think? But, but he's also seeing on the other side of the cross, he's seeing the joy of reconciliation. Humanity for so long has been ripped apart from, from their creator, has been torn from the from fellowship with God. And now he can see, because of the cross, on the out, back side of the cross, there is coming this great joy, greater joy than we have ever experienced as human beings, as through his blood we are reconciled again and find peace with God like we've never experienced before. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19 and following. That had to bring great joy in his heart to know that unity and that peace was coming and that the world was going to experience that through his cross. But you see, there's also the cleansing. 
How important, how much joy could that see as Jesus watched and he saw all the sins of the world from the beginning of time and the people that he walked with to know that on the backside of the cross there's coming this greater joy in his life to realize that through the cross he was going to be able with his blood to provide forgiveness of sins continuously as people walked in the light and put their faith and fellowship in him, 1 John chapter 1, 6 and 7. You see, these are just a few, maybe, maybe just three of hundreds of greater joy that Jesus was going to experience and that the world was going to be blessed with because of his, because of his cross. Note this. Jesus didn't see his cross of great suffering and sacrifice as the end. Listen. As Jesus looked at his cross, he, he, he never saw the cross as the end. But what he saw is the great divine gateway that would be opened up to him and to the world of the greater joys that were found because he shed his blood for us in this world. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. Well, that's the introduction. But I, I take you through that very important introduction because it really becomes the foundation of this new series that we begin this morning. A series we're calling crosswalk. And it's in this series that we're trying to promote in all of our lives this two-dimensional reality of crosses. And I'll talk more about that as we go along. This two-dimensional truth that yes, on one side there is great sacrifice and possibly suffering that comes with that. But as we look at his cross and we look at our crosses, we see and we must get into the grip and have anticipation for the fact that there is greater joy on the other side. There's greater joy on the other side of sacrifice, of suffering. And in order to get us into that cross context, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 8. We're going to be there for just a few moments, and we're going to find the centerpiece of this cross context for the rest of our series, and we're going to see some other things here in Mark chapter 8. But it's in Mark chapter 8 that Jesus brings you and brings me and brings people of faith throughout all generations into a cross context. He says... Or the scripture, the gospel says, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, or if anyone wishes to come behind me, some translations say, they must deny themselves. He must deny himself. She must deny herself. Take up their cross and follow me. You see, what Jesus is doing here is he's laying the very foundation for the crosswalk life. 
the crosswalk life that all of us as Christians, that all disciples must and are called to bear. It's in this moment that Jesus, here in verse 34, that he reveals that anyone, including all of us, who want to follow him must live in what we're calling the crosswalk life, a determination to do what Jesus said we need to do, to deny self and to take up and follow the Lord no matter what the sacrifice, no matter what the suffering, no matter what cross may come in our lives. I could talk a lot about the crosswalk life that Jesus demonstrated, but I want to stay right here in this text. and I, I want you to go back to verse 31. And it's in verse 31 that we see very clearly as Jesus is talking what this crosswalk life looks like and what that mindset and that attitude is. Verse 31 of Mark chapter 8. And he began to teach them and the son of, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. It's very clear in Jesus' life that a cross is in his future, and he's been living and anticipating this moment all of his life. He knows that there is a point of sacrifice. He knows there's a point of suffering coming to his life, and he has given himself to that crosswalk. But now look at the other side of it, the contrasting spirit. Yes, Jesus has that, that, that crosswalk spirit that says, whatever cross is there, I'll carry it. Whatever sacrifice needs to be made, whatever suffering is coming, I'll do that. But on the other hand, what we see in the text is not a crosswalk spirit, but a self walk spirit. And we see that in Peter. Look in the text again in verse 32. And he was stating this matter, my crosswalk, he was stating that matter plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And the gospels, the other gospels reveal to us that but basically Peter is looking at Jesus and he's taking him aside and he's saying, that's not going to happen. And maybe even more specifically, I'm not going to let that happen. And it's at that moment that, Jesus, that, that Peter reveals that he has not a crosswalk spirit, but he has a self-walk spirit. You see, Peter, in these words, is demonstra- he's demonstrated that he can't let go of himself. Peter is, listen to these words, Peter is so fiercely loyal to his own self-interest and his own self-satisfaction that he cannot and will not accept Jesus' crosswalk determination. I'm not going there with you. That's not going to happen to you. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that Peter, in what he's saying here, I know he doesn't want Jesus to suffer. He doesn't want Jesus to feel the agony of the cross. I'm not saying he's not concerned about Jesus. But ultimately the truth is, is that Peter is concerned about himself. And here's what that looks like. 
He is concerned about self because he doesn't want to lose the light and the fellowship that he's been enjoying with the Son of God as he walked with him every day. Do you blame him? (laughs) He doesn't want to lose Jesus, and he doesn't want to lose Jesus because his self-interest is in the way. And because of that, Jesus whips around and he says, Now listen, you get behind me, Satan. For your interest is not set on God's, but on man's. Wow. What did he just say? He said, listen, let me boil this down for you, Peter. I have a crosswalk intention for my life, but you, on the other hand, have a self-walk spirit. You're not connected to my crosswalk. You're connected to your self-walk. And I don't want that I don't want that spirit anywhere near me because it's not the spirit of a disciple. And having done that, you see what happens next in the text. He turns from Peter, he gets the rest of the disciples, and the rest of the multitude comes together and he says, If anyone wishes to come after me, what? He must deny himself. He must deny those self selfish interests and selfish self-satisfaction mindsets. He must deny those things, take up his cross, and follow follow me. Yes. Moving away from Peter. As we look into our own lives, yes, there are great sacrifices that come when we embrace and have the crosswalk spirit. As I think about it, it's true that our commitment to the calling of Christ and the following in the footsteps of Jesus, no matter what it calls us to do, that that spirit might and that determination might lead us into the hardship that I think really Jesus is pointing out here for these first century disciples. They're going to experience hardship. They're going to experience harassment. They're going to experience being expelled from their native lands. They're going to experience being beaten. They're going to experience being mocked. They're going to experience maybe even being put to death. To death, We know that happened. But my point for us is that even though we may never experience those types of great sacrifice and great suffering, we will have to deny ourselves and take up our crosses. And as I think about that, I, I believe, listen to this statement, I believe the hardest and most painful sacrifice we ever make may be to abandon and to put to death the self-attributes that keep us from following in the footprints of Jesus. We can talk about abuse. We can talk about hardship. We can talk about death. But each and every day for us, the reality is, is maybe the greatest sacrifice that we'll ever make is the sacrifice of me. The sacrifice of all those self-interests 
that we have. You, you see from the youngest up here, from the youngest to the oldest, to one degree maybe small or very large, we all have spent time creating these what I call self-serving and self-satisfying beliefs and practices to which we tend to be fiercely loyal. Peter, he, instead of being loyal to the mission of Jesus, he's fiercely loyal, confronts Jesus. He's fiercely loyal to himself and to his self-satisfaction and his own self-interest and says, that's not going to happen. But you see, it's, it, it's no different for us. We can have in our own lives, and do, let's just admit it, those self-interests to which we're fiercely loyal. And because of that, I... I, I think that for me, I, I know it for me. I bet it's true for you. That with those self-walk interest comes a lot of self-talk. Self-walk talk that's going through our heads. That, that encourage us to be loyal. To ourselves first. Maybe you've heard it before, and that self-walk talk sounds like this. You know, my hate for others is is really is warranted. I I should, and it's warranted that I hate others because, after all, they have behaved badly, right? Or my hate for others is warranted because when you get down to it, they're just so different than we are, aren't they? And, and that self-walk talk shows up and, and we say to ourselves, I, I need to, to, to hang on as tightly as I can to all of my wealth and all of my possessions because after all, there's no one who's going to provide for my needs and my wants better than I can. So I, so I better hang on to those things. That's self-walk talk. And, and there's self-walk talk that sounds like this. You know, that fit of rage that I threw the other day? Well, you see, it's justifiable in view, if you just knew what that person said or that person did, you would understand that that road rage that I was involved in was justifiable because of their behavior. That's self-walk talk. And then others of us might say, I, I'm... My constant state of fear and worry, again is justifiable. It's okay to have that constant state of fear and worry because, after all, aren't you aware of the great chaos and uncertainty of the world that we're living in? That's self-walk talk. 
And and in those ways, in so many more, our self-walk mindsets are exactly what Jesus is calling us to not to deny and put to death in order to walk with him. That's what he's talking about for you. That's what he's talking about for me. It's that serious. It's that pointed. Well, congratulations, Monty. You've just ruined my day. <laughs> I, I, I know that you're feeling that this side of the cross seems kind of like a downer. It, it's very serious and very sobering. But I've got to talk about this side of the cross so we can remember and get to the other side of the cross. Because it's in embracing that crosswalk that we know that on the back side of the cross comes even greater joy for our lives. It was true for Jesus, and it's true for us. Then on the backside of our sacrifice and our suffering, there is greater joys for us to be experienced. When we deny and sacrifice self, we get to experience and partake of the greater joys that come from honoring our Father like Jesus did. What joy it was for him to honor his Father. And the greater joy of being able to eat as fully as possible from the tree of the Holy Spirit of God. The joy of being able to eat and experience love, true love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and all those things that God created us to eat. What joy those things will bring into our lives, but they're going to demand, first of all, that crosswalk life so that we too can experience the greater joy of crosswalk lives. And with those crosswalk lives, I want us to hear, and I want us to begin to realize those crosswalk talk, not the self-walk talk, but the crosswalk talk. Say that twice. And it's that crosswalk talk that starts to be the support and the drumbeat of our lives that's consistent with our calling in Jesus Christ. It's that moment in which we're able to say to ourselves, I'm putting to death my feelings of hate, and today I'm starting to enjoy the greater blessings of love. I'm experiencing the greater joy of being able to be in relationships with everyone without prejudice or without limits concerning how I should love them. There's that crosswalk talk that says, I'm putting to death my greedy heart. Why would I put to death my greedy heart? Because on the other side, I get to enjoy the giving The giving heart that comes from knowing that I'm not just providing for myself and I'm the only one who can take care of myself, but I can enjoy the giving and seeing other people rise up from from their ashes and my giving that helps others to, to meet their needs and not my needs because I trust that God is caring for me and it's just not me caring for myself. And I have in my mind this thought, I'm putting to death my rage and I'm finding the greater joy of living and, and experiencing kindness in the midst of every frustration and conflict. That I'm going to experience, listen, that I'm going to experience instead of bringing tears to people's faces because of my rage. Instead of bringing bruises 
into their lives because of my, bra- my, 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 my rage. I'm going to bring to their life joy instead. I'm going to bring to their life goodness instead. That's the crosswalk talk going on in our heads. And finally, it's where we can say, I'm putting to death my fear and worry And as I do, I'm finding greater joy in trusting fully in the purpose and the providence of God. I'm finding the greater joy of putting my life completely in the hands of God where I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about the things that the the world worries about. I can just enjoy what God is providing for my life. Let me end this way. You know, I think that the cross of Jesus was so unacceptable to Peter because as he looked at it, all he could see was the end of Jesus. All he could see was the end. He couldn't see the other side of the cross for Jesus. It was so unacceptable to Peter because he couldn't see the greater joy that Jesus would experience and that the world would experience because of his sacrifice and because of his suffering. So it's because of that that my encouragement to to all of us And the encouragement that we're going to be giving in each one of the lessons that are coming that are going to hit some of these self-talk, self-walk aspects is that in the future, as these lessons are presented, that our hearts will be opened, even as Kevin prayed. That our hearts will be opened to deny ourselves, to sacrifice in, And know that as we do, as we sacrifice and suffer by putting away self, that we know that that will not be the end of us. But it's only going to be the beginning of a greater you and a greater me and a greater joy that we experience in Christ Jesus as we walk step and step with him. This morning, a lot of greater joy going on in our lives, but I hope that you have experienced the greatest joy, spiritual joy of all, which is putting to death self, the old sinful uh, uh, condemned self in the waters of baptism putting it to death, and allow Jesus to raise you up to walk in newness of life, experiencing the greater things that he has to offer you through his cross and through his continued mediation in your lives. This Today, make sure that you've denied self and begun your walk of greater joy while we stand and while we sing.